When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. You know what, Harvey? I'm about done with your little song and dance about how I don't have your back. I picked you out of the goddamn mail room. And I've given you every opportunity you've ever had. This was a mistake. What was a mistake? I came here to give you a chance to talk me out of leaving. But when this offer comes in, it's too late. Just out of curiosity, what would you have me do? You know what the hell I'd have you do. Harvey, you have more work talent than 99% of the partners in this firm. But I'm not gonna give you a promotion based on a threat. You'll get one when you're ready. And if that's not good enough for you, then I wish you luck at Bratton Gould. Then consider this my official notice. Suits, season seven, episode seven is over. And if you're ready to hear us talk about full disclosure, then suits yourself. I'm Rob Sestrino, back here with a guy who's like a cross between Marlon Brando and Superman. It's Chappelle. Chappelle, how are you? Rob, I'm good. I'm excited. Um, I think that season seven has my attention now. I think that we're, we're starting to move in the direction of suits that I like a lot. And I, I'm very excited to think to hear about what you thought about this episode. You ready well. for a seven and seven? A seven and seven. Do they you know, still make seven thing. up? They do. They do make seven up. You know, it's it's one of those things that you probably don't realize because people go asking for a sprite, and then they say, "You have you, you are you good with seven up?" And you just kind of like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." Yeah. You know, like it's so not what's extremely starry. Unique. Starry, I feel like is something that got re- rebranded. Was Sierra uh, Mist I, got turned into Starry? Sierra Mist was a thing, yes. I don't know if it's no longer a thing anymore. Do you think it's gone forever? I don't know. And then, uh, uh, guess the for another day. But, okay. Uh, Season 7, episode 7. <laughs> Flashback mm. episode. Wasn't expecting this. Yeah, but, I mean, aren't we due for one? You know, like, what is it, every four or five episodes, we need at least one flashback Mm -hmm. episode to kind of, you know, really pick up the pieces to storylines that we didn't even know existed. And uh, I think that's one thing the show does well. I think that every time they do a flashback, they go and give us some context about maybe some questions we've been having or, you know, or just really goes and pick up the pieces to storylines that we just are like thrown in the real time with no explanation. Cause this Alex Williams thing and Harvey comes out of nowhere. We never hear about Alex before this uh, season. We don't know Dulé Hill as a person at all in this universe. And yet in this season, Harvey's going to bat for him like he's Mike Ross. And so we needed to know what the hell happened back in the day that made Harvey and Alex so close, or that at least has Harvey feeling so beholden to Alex the way he would go and throw Mike under the bus. So the flashback was needed for that. And then also it adds context to Lewis and Lewis's uh kind of his neuroses and his time at therapy. And we find out that Jessica is the reason why he even goes to therapy in the first place. So I appreciated this flashback episode for at least going and picking up some of the pieces. Yeah, was she buddies with Dr. Lipschitz? 
I don't know. You know, for a second, I had that moment where, you know, we talked about, was it Dr. Paula who uh, had done the therapy for that one company, but because she was, um, you know, contracted from the company, they had access to all her files. For a split second, I was going to think, oh, wait, does Jessica, she, did she contract with Dr. Lipschitz? Like, is uh, Lewis now like public uh, public property when it comes to, to this kind of stuff? Uh, but no, it seems like she just knew a guy who would really be beneficial to Lewis. And she's not wrong. I think in this episode, we see that without Dr. Lipschitz, Lewis would be a much worse human. You know, I think I've been really hard on Dr. Lipschitz as a therapist, but I just think he had a uh, monumental case in front of him. You know, the, Lewis is somebody who excites him, but also somebody who probably is extremely difficult to work with. Sure. I mean, for Dr. Lipschitz, I mean, he has that moment. He is like, oh my God, Lewis, it's like I can uh, see through your skin into your soul. It's like for Dr. Lipschitz, it's like, oh my God, my my memoir is going to be incredible. This <laughs> specimen... This is yeah. like an, a once in a lifetime opportunity for the psychiatric profession. It's his life's work. You know, it's <laughs> like, this is why I went to school. But, this is the great white you know, whale. It really is. And, you know, we've watched this episode, you know, but we've seen every episode of Lewis's journey at Suits. And we've said at least 40 times that Lewis needs to go to therapy. So imagine what an actual therapist sees when, see, when he sees Lewis. We're like, you know, would it benefit Lewis to be in therapy? The therapist walks in and says, oh my God, it's here. It's happening. This is the reason why we put on this earth. It's to fix you or to at least help you uh, because it's very clear what's wrong with you. He tells Lewis, you have so many insecurities about your own self-respect that you just project uh, disrespect on other people and then use that disrespect against them and push them away. And I was like, yeah, that's it. It's textbook. It's literally what Lewis does all the time. You say something innocuous to him and then he gets defensive and says something really mean to you. And then that's a wrap. Now you don't want to deal with him. And everybody else in his life says, no, you really got to work with Lewis. Have you tried making up with Lewis? Everyone coddles Lewis because they know that's his pattern. And so I think we finally had verbiage to go with the Lewis Lip syndrome. But Chappelle, is Dr. Lipschitz maybe ineffective as a therapist, considering yes. that seven years later, <laughs> I mean, Lewis, like at this the beginning of this season was like as off as we've ever seen him. Yeah, I, I won't say he's ineffective. I just think that. Dr. Lipschitz got to Lewis a lot later in life than we would have liked, right? Lewis at least is in his 30s by the time Dr. Lipschitz gets a hold of him. And he's like, I got to undo 30 years of just damage here. Mm -hmm. And he's also Lewis. So it's not like it's going to be something easy. It's going to be someone who's kicking and screaming the entire way through therapy. And, and I'm not even using that as a just a turn of phrase. Lewis is literally going to just holler and fight back against everything Dr. Dr. Lipschitz does at different turns. And there's going to be times where he feels like he's making progress. And there's going to be times where he relapses a lot. And I think that's probably normal with therapy in general. But with someone like Lewis, it's extreme. And so I think we just have to shudder to imagine the world where Lewis doesn't go to therapy. What does Lewis Lit look like if he's the junior partner who never goes to therapy, who never decides to look at himself, um, to hold up the mirror, if you will? I think he's a much worse human and that he does not have a future, Ed. 
Pearson Spector lit or Pearson Harbin or whatever it was when he got hired on. Okay, Chappelle, a lot going on here in this flashback episode. Episode number 99 of Suits here. Final double-digit episode of Suits on our journey. A lot of it has to deal with the Harvey and Alex backstory. We had been wondering, what did Alex do? What was uh, so bad? We finally get all of that here in this episode. Also, the backstory where Harvey was trying to, uh, considering leaving following the flashback episode that we saw where Daniel Hardman pitted Lewis and Harvey against each other, and then Harvey was so upset that Lewis got made a partner, he's considering leaving, uh, that he has his uh, buddy, Alex Williams, and that he talks him into leaving to try to go with him off to go and work at Bratton. And Alex really goes out on a limb for him. And then ultimately, Harvey doesn't take that offer and puts Alex Williams in the doghouse with Bratton. Yeah, Harvey sucks. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, this is kind it, of a, a jerk move by Harvey. Oh, yeah. This entire episode, I, I get it, Harvey. You feel undervalued, unappreciated at this law firm. Lewis got the better of you. You really don't feel respected. They don't respect you in the shows, Harvey. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But at some point, Harvey, you have to um, be an adult. And I think it's really tough for Harvey. Um, throughout this episode, in the flashbacks, Jessica is trying to get Harvey to understand that you can't always get what you want when you want it. And sometimes you have to play the long game and put your pride aside to you know make advancements later on in your career. For Harvey, being a junior partner is not in the cards right now. It's just not. And so you have to wait. You have to suffer through some of these slings and arrows. But he just is not willing to do that with Lewis lording this promotion over his head. And Lewis is going to lord that promotion over everyone's head. But Harvey's going to be the one to take it the most personally. Because I think for Lewis, he thinks that Harvey's success as a disrespect. And so he's going to throw that back at Harvey as disrespect. But... Harvey, Jessica asked you to do one thing, just one thing. And it was just chill, just chill, put your pride aside, relax. You'll be junior partner one day. You just can't do the whole me versus Lewis thing anymore. Harvey's not willing to do that. Jessica even tells him, Harvey, she's a black woman. She has to deal with microaggressions as far as being black, as far as being a woman. She has to put her pride to the side, but she did it because it's part of the game and because she doesn't have the luxury to not do that stuff if she wants to be successful. Harvey said, no, 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 I'm a white man. I refuse. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I quit. And it was such a bratty ass move. It was like, damn, Harvey, it must be nice to be the main character in your story, Marlon Brando Superman. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, for Jessica, I know she's looking at Harvey like, dog, I pay for your law school. Why are you acting like this? Yeah. Can I ask a question? Okay, so this has come up a couple different times where Jessica, in talking with Harvey, like she says, like, and I'm assuming that this is like literally not just a metaphor, but she has said multiple times, like, I plucked him out of the goddamn mailroom. Okay, what is the story of Harvey? Did did was Harvey a guy who just wanted to be around the law game so bad that he went to go work in the mailroom at Gordon Schmidt Van Dyke and Jessica was like, "Hey, I like the cut of his jib. I'm going to send this guy off to Harvard Law School and pay for it." Or did Jessica find Harvey at some point earlier than that? And then set, paid for him to go to Harvard Law School and then 
he started to work in the mailroom. At what point did he work in the mailroom? <laughs> no, that's a good question. I think that we have not explored the real origin story of Harvey meets Jessica. And I think that the show is doing a disservice to us not They're letting too us old. see that they moment. Can't, we can't get like the 21-year-old Harvey Specter anymore. Why not? We already did it. You know, we already did Jerky Harvey at 20 years old. Like, dang, <laughs> mom, dad, you're, you're, yeah. you're, mom, you're cheating on my dad. God, I hate it here. You know, um, and even I think at that point, Harvey might have already been. I think he was in Harvard at right. that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that maybe Harvey went to college and got some degree. Let's say political science. Who knows? Um, no, he definitely didn't get a political science degree. He's too competitive for that. I don't know what his degree was in, but it wasn't poli sci. Anyway, uh, so he has a degree in whatever. And then he's looking for a job like most broke college students. And he just takes a job at the mailroom in the meantime, uh, as he you know, probably probably studies investment banking or something. You know, knowing, knowing mm -hmm. Harvey, he's trying to get rich. And so he's like, I'm trying to break into an industry, but... I need a job in the meantime. So he does have a mailroom job. Very similar to the fact that Mike Ross was a mail carrier at some point. Like, and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's like a parallel there somewhere, right? And so... Yeah. I don't um, know if it was technically so yeah. mail. I feel like sort of like a... Mike Messenger. Parse, you yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah the, the, the DNA is there. And so, yeah, I think Jessica at some point meets him. But that's the question that I have. What was Jessica doing in the mailroom? Was she just like hanging out and being like, hey, this guy here, you got some spunk, kid. You, you, you ever consider being a lawyer? You want to go to law school? I don't know if it's that Harvey mm -hmm. always wanted to go to law school. And, and he impressed her so much that she's going to pay, what, hundreds of thousands of dollars for him to go to Harvard Law School. If they were having sex, he should, she should just say it at this point. I'm mm -hmm. sick of this. I've told you. I've, and the first season, there was too much chemistry between the two of them. I really want to know what made uh, Jessica so invested in the success of Harvey Specter. And she just, you know, she's got an eye for talent like that. Like, oh, no, that guy right there. He's going to be something yeah. one day. Why would you spend all your money on this man? And it's a lot of money. You know, it's not all her money, but you that's a big investment into somebody who is such a insubordinate brat that Harvey right. could be sometimes. And then he goes to Harvard Law School. Then he comes back and then she says, I want you to go work in the DA's office because I want you to get trial experience. And he's like, OK, because you pay for me to go to law school. So here we go. Yeah, but doesn't and she want some like return on her investment? I guess was she like she, feeling like, okay, I'm making like this super lawyer and I have to, you know, she knew the recipe. Yeah, she's creating a super lawyer. She said, ideally, in an ideal world, this is what I'm looking for at, uh, for a partner. I'm looking for someone who went to Harvard, obviously, because this is PSL. Um, but at the same time, I need somebody with some trial experience uh, and somebody who also does not want to go to trial. And so- I'm going to send Harvey over there. He's going to learn from Crooked Cameron. And then he's going to come back and he's going to be battle tested in a way that now I can use him to my advantage. And so I think, yeah, she was trying to build a bear. And what she ended up with was a monster because you do all of this stuff for him just for him to get there and be like, well, you're not going to bat for me to be partner right now. So I honestly hate you and I'm leaving and I'm going to live with my real dad. Yeah. You know, it's like Harvey okay, has Harvey. more in common with Mike than we anticipated. We say it all the time, but every time there's another layer of it, we're like, yeah, it's the Mike Ross move. Because <laughs> even in this episode, we see Harvey be like, uh, yeah, Donna. We're going to move up Lewis's court date, but please don't tell Lewis. And then on the opposite end, you have Harvey, I mean, Mike going around and being like, yeah, 
we're going to make this move against Masterson and Reform Corp, but please don't tell Harvey. You know, it, it's it's the same, same it's the same kind of stuff there. I wonder what the parallels are between Jessica and Harvey because I'm really struggling to find out what she really saw in him to make him her guy. He's got the talent. I see it. But I want to know how she ended up seeing it. Yes, she said that you have more talent than anybody else. Uh, 99% of the partners at this firm. Yeah, congratulations, Harvey. You're very talented. But at the same time, you, you're kind of a brat. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's a headache to work with that guy. Uh, it's a, it's even more of a headache to work with Lewis, in my opinion. And it just fascinated to me that these are the two knuckleheads that Jessica is stuck with. <laughs> you know, Lewis Litt and Harvey, are, and now Mike Ross, just the most insubordinate group of people that I've ever come across. And yeah. like, she had to work with all three of them. No wonder why she quit. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. She's like, I got to go. I can't do this. How did I end up here? It's a three-ring circus. It's the only move that she had left was just to leave. It, it pushed her into the arms of Jeff Malone, <laughs> so you know it had to be bad. It's like, dear God, I'll take Jeff over this. This is this sucks. I'll move to, I'll move to Chicago. <laughs> Have you seen Shameless, Jessica? Dear God. <laughs> all right. Well, let's just talk about the Alex Williams of it all. Of We find out, okay, so then Alex Williams was so far in the doghouse uh, with Bratton Gould that they made him basically like sign some papers that said that he was part of like uh, this whole corrupt organization between uh, the building company and Reform Corp, which basically what they were doing is that they use the inmates at the prison to build more prisons. And then they have this whole scam going on where they get people into fights when they're getting near parole so they don't leave because they're the workforce. And then there was an inmate who died and then they built it up at Bratton Gould to make it look like Alex Williams was in on it? Yeah, pretty much. They needed somebody to handle the case and somebody to be the patsy for this if in case it ever blew up. So the, the guard comes to Alex Williams and like, hey, you're the lawyer who works for these people, right? I think I think someone died and we're trying to cover it up. So Alex, of course, goes to the people in charge. He goes uh, to Pat and he goes to, uh, to Gould and he's like, hey, this is crazy, right? There's a conspiracy here. It's some wild stuff happening. And they say, yeah, Alex, you're going to be okay with it because um, your name is all over the documents that we've like aligned with, with this case. So when it comes to Masterson, I'm talking about bonuses, anything that has happened in Alex's favor has aligned with you know some type of uh, increase that they've gotten from this collusion between Masterson and Reform Corp. So every time something big happens on one end, it parallels with Alex, and it makes it look like Alex has motive to keep this thing going. Like he's benefiting just as much from Masterson Construction and Reform Corp being in cahoots. And so now if they go down, he goes down. And to make matters worse, in order to join Pearson Spectre, he basically goes and signs away anybody else's liability to this and says, no, I will shoulder all of that to keep PSL's clients from leaving. So this is now all on the shoulders of Alex Williams and not on the shoulders of Reform Corp, Masterson, um, Gould. Nobody else can take blame for this except Alex Williams and it's in his, in his own handwriting, right? He signed it away just for Harvey. And so for now, um, he, he needs he needs Harvey to make this thing go away because he's mm-hmm. the one who's fall for it. Yeah, but 
at the beginning of the season, when Alex Williams first leaves, like it seems like that Gould doesn't even care about it. He's like, oh, I don't even care about Alex Williams. Lawyers are a dime a dozen. He's like, I only care. You better get me my $30 million back. It just seems weird that, you know, he was embroiled in this whole conspiracy and did not really even seem to care that much that Alex Williams was leaving. Yeah, but I was like, what can Alex Williams do if he leaves? He can still be liable for all of this mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, yeah, we already have your sworn affidavit that it was you. So congratulations. Have fun. But this can never come up. And he knows Alex is incentivized to keep it from coming up. The one person who does not seem to understand this is Mike Ross, because Mike Ross is Batman. He sees right. He sees wrong. And he says, no, this is wrong. And I'm going to fight for it. And I don't care who falls at the wayside because of it. To the point where Harvey even says, Mike, I'd love to tell you what's going on with Alex. But I can't trust you. I cannot trust you. And I know you're about to do some more stuff. And if you do something else, I am going to have to fire you. This man went to prison for him. And Harvey's like, and you did that. Thank you. But at the same time, I cannot trust you. It's very Jessica and Harvey, actually. Okay, so Harvey makes a move early on in this episode. And he gives uh, a check to somebody from he goes to reform uh court right not masterson masterson was the mm-hmm. client that they already had uh but harvey ends up bringing on reform court which ends up kind of boxing mike in where uh then we see him go to anita gibb and he's like okay i've got it i've got the goods anita gibb here we go and She's like, uh, okay, well, it can't come from Masterson because ultimately you represent them. So it needs to uh, come from the other side of this. Eventually, Anita Gibb has to be like, get the hell out of my office. What is wrong with you? I don't want anything to do with you. Stop. Yeah. I'm not your friend. the The Harvey move was cool because he goes to Masterson CEO, Pat. And he's like, hey, Pat, what if I gave you a bunch of money? And we just kind of let the stuff go. What's up? And they're like, yeah, I mean, Harvey, that's cool. But like, we really, it doesn't really benefit me to release you and Alex Williams from this partnership we have. You know, like we're all going down together. And so then Harvey says, all right, cool. Well, let me go make an alliance, basically, between a reform corp and myself. So I, so Pierce Inspector is now, um, they're, they're now, uh, representing Reform Corp and Masterson. And so all this information was privileged, uh, but now it's basically a conflict. You know, they're they're uh, they're representing both sides. And so when Mike Ross comes to Anita Gibbs, he's like, yeah, so I know you can't really use this information because it came from me, but you could do it anonymously. And she's like, go to hell. <laughs> like, bro, I'm not about to break any rules for you. I'm not about to start lying for Mike Ross. You what, cannot what do you think trust this Mike is, Ross. Mike? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, no one can trust him. You cannot trust him because he goes by the letter of the law in his head. You know, this is like, this is what I want to happen. I'm right. And whether he's right or wrong, because I do agree, this this inmate stuff is a conspiracy. It needs to be busted up. It's criminal activity, and they need to, they all should burn in hell for what they're doing to these people. However, Mike Ross, you trampling over everyone else's lives in the making is not the way to go about this. Mm-hmm. So Anita Gibbs, like, nah, I'm good. You have fun with your little fight against Harvey. Yeah. There's a point earlier in the episode where he talks to Rachel and he's like, I'm not telling Harvey anything. I'm not lying to him, but I'm not going to tell him. And she's like, well, what do I do? What if Harvey asked me? He's like, okay, fine. You could tell her. You could tell him uh, whatever's going on. And then ultimately, Rachel does that. Um, She tells uh, Harvey about everything that Mike has going on. 
And, you know, Harvey really is uh, just put in this position where he has Mike, who is just like this like rogue agent who is not even like doing any PSL business at any point. Like the man is making what, seven figures and doesn't yeah. even like he's just collecting a paycheck. Yeah. He's just not even collecting a pay, paycheck. He's actively working against right. Harvey's <laughs> own interest. I'm paying you millions of dollars for you to be like, no, I'm not doing what you want. Actually, I'm going to make life harder for you. Um, he sucks. Mike, look, look, again, I think that Mike's idea here is correct. You should definitely be trying to burst this up. But once Harvey said, like puts his foot down, it really becomes: Is it the law that you that you support more? Is it Harvey? Is it your friendship to him? Are you loyal to anybody at any point? And I don't think Mike Ross is. I think Mike Ross learns in this episode that he is loyal to um, to fixing the criminal justice system, or at least helping those in need. And so he started to look away from corporate law and say, you know what? Even if I get fired. I will still be able to be a lawyer because I will fight for people in criminal cases, you know, and really try to bust up some of these systemic issues and which I appreciate. But at the same time, from Harvey's perspective, it's like, bro, I didn't bring you here to then undermine everything that I'm trying to do. I brought you here because I thought I could trust you. That was the whole point of me getting you out of jail. Batman needed his Robin. Um, but Mike is not Robin. Mike is he's like a, a Nightwing character. I don't, <laughs> don't want to get into the to the comic books of it all, but he's just not. He's not who you think he is. Yeah, he goes to Frank Gallo at one point. And he's like, okay, Frank. All right, case is off the table. Got any other like dirt on uh, you know Masterson or anything? So uh, I need like another angle. Is it? What the hell are you talking about? What do you, What is wrong with you? Why? Like you said, you were gonna fix this. You said you were gonna get me money. He's like, ah, I just need another angle. That's really yeah. I can't do it through the. Got any more other conspiracies? Yeah, anything else? And Fred Gallo is the one who basically outlines that. Yeah, we were the inmates. We were working to build the facilities that they were keeping us at, and that's why you can't let us free because then who is going to build the facility? You, we're not supplementing the workforce here. We are literally replacing the workforce with uh, unpaid prisoners. And um, you know, again. Mike Ross taking on the prison industrial system is crazy, but at the same time, it's it's something that I co I commend him. But dear God, again, at the cost of all these people who are sacrificing for Mike Ross, it's very strange. Uh, he's between a rock and a hard place, and this is one of the few times where I can't be like Mike Ross is dead ass wrong. Yeah, he's wrong from Harvey's perspective, but I think like the greater cause here. It's kind of like, okay, well, I, I guess it's worth the sacrifice, but it's not worth the sacrifice on a personal level for someone like Harvey uh, and Alex, you know? Um, he, are you willing to let Alex go down for all of this? Alex eventually has to tell Mike Ross what's up because he knows that if he doesn't, Mike Ross is going to take him down with him. Yeah. I mean, that's the cliffhanger that the episode ends on that Alex says, like, if you don't let this go, I'll be implicated. And Mike Ross is like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, mm, no, I got okay. that. I got that. Uh, right. I still have to do it, though. Right. Like, will you be implicated? Yes. Will you go to jail for something you didn't do? Yes. But also, mm -hmm. I kind of have to do it because I'm Mike Ross. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, it's my MO. This is what I do. This you know, do. It's black and white here. Yeah. Mike Ross, again, he has such a strong sense of, you know, self-righteousness these days where it's like, Mike, you act like you ain't never broken a law. You act like you haven't been fraudulent for the first six seasons of this show. Very much on his high horse about who's right, who's wrong. He he wants to decide these things. 
I don't think certain people should be allowed to be lawyers. I think Mike Ross is one of the people that, yeah, like, is there like a psyche vow that you yeah. have to take? Like <laughs> yeah, the, can Dr. Lipschitz, can he open up some time for Mike? Right. I mean, that's the one person we have not seen go to therapy yet. And, you know, he's talked to uh, Father Walker, but uh, all religious figures are not their therapists, right? They're not mental health professionals. I think he needs to do both because I think someone really needs to look at Mike Ross and say, why do you feel like you get to be the judge, jury, and executioner of all these people? Um, and um, maybe they need to add a different portion to this. The character of fitness portion is not enough. Let's talk about Donna a little bit. That she has uh, no. a <laughs> no. You don't want to talk about anything with Donna, okay? I, don't uh, know. <laughs> I mean, really, we get like uh, her in the backstory also about how um, that she's upset with Harvey that he doesn't talk to her about potentially leaving. P, uh, PH at that time to go and work at Bratton. And we see her in her six month anniversary with a guy named Mark and kind of sided with Mark here uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine being Mark and all you do is hear about Harvey 24 7. Yeah. And Donna is like telling Harvey, hey, could you just let me and Mark get through a dinner without calling me now? It's like, it's like, yeah, I guess. I'm thinking, was it that bad at some point where Harvey would just like call her in the middle of dinner? Because we don't see a lot of Donna Harvey interaction outside of work. But this this interaction that we see, this flashback between Mark and Donna makes it seem like Harvey's name is always in the mix. Every time she tries to do something, it's, well, Harvey said this. Harvey wants to do that. And in this episode, we see that at one point when Harvey was trying to quit and go work for Brad and Gould, he tells Donna, pack it up. We're leaving. And does not even give her any say-so in the matter. To where, yeah, she's a little frustrated and she's venting to her boyfriend, uh, Mark, who's played by James H. Harrington III. <laughs> Great name. Um, <laughs> Jay Harrington. Uh, but yeah, she's going to, to talk to him about it. And he's like, the Harvey thing again? Like, this man is making you quit your job, a job that you love to go work for him. <laughs> Maybe it's not the job that you love, Donna. Maybe it's him. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, duh. By the way, his character name, Mark, is uh, his official name is Mark Meadows, uh, which is oh. not the first Mark Meadows that comes up when you <laughs> Google. <laughs> yeah, um, there's another guy, um, <laughs> formerly of the White House. Um, yeah, um, this, but this guy, this actor, Jay, Jay Harrington, are you familiar with his work? No. Okay, so I know him from Better Off Ted. Okay. Uh, the ABC sitcom. I believe it was him and was it Ellen DeGeneres' wife? Yeah, Portia de Rossi was in there mm -hmm. as well. It was a, like a solid, you know, ABC comedy, kind of office set comedy where um, I think it only lasted maybe two seasons. I remember when it ended, I was thinking like, oh, that was kind of, it, it was fun. I yeah. like that. But I think the other thing that he's known for is SWAT. SWAT. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw the first season of SWAT, but I do not remember him in it. Uh, but yeah, I was happy to see him here as Donna's guy. Uh, but it just looks very short lived. Um, do you think we see Jay Harrington again in the in the show now that he's appeared in the flashback? Yeah, I don't think so. Unless we have another flashback episode coming up here. Yeah. I, for, as far as I'm concerned, once you see somebody once that might have a pit, uh, pivotal role in someone's development, they're always there's like a non-zero chance that they come back. I think we've been kind of tracking that thus far. And I could see 
or maybe because why did they bring him up? I think that's my biggest question, right? The like the whole Mark storyline has to mean something because why would you say, oh yeah, Donna dated a guy for two months, went out on a date with him, he threw he threw her under the bus saying that oh you know this whole Harvey thing is going to interrupt their relationship and it's essentially the reason why they broke up and. You know, Harvey is moving on to Dr. Paula. We've seen that Donna's had issues with that in the past. I can see a world where either, if not Mark, maybe Donna's past dating life becomes a recurring theme in the show. All right, Chappelle, who's getting the Liddy this week? Ew, does anybody get the Liddy this week? I mean, well, did Harvey do anything wrong that he should not get the Liddy? Flashback Harvey sucked. Flashback Harvey was, yeah. He hmm. sucked. I think Flashback Harvey is really dra- dragging down his average in this episode because I think, in a general sense, I think I I loved everything Harvey did in this episode from the like present day. Yeah, you know, going to bat for his friend, really trying to put the screws to to Mike. Does Lewis get the lady in this episode? He was somewhat horrible upon first meeting uh, Dr. Lipschitz and calling him a Nazi upon his uh, first meeting with him. Uh, yeah, look, but anti-Semitism aside, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh. He was, you know, uh, overall, I mean, he did probably have a good episode. If you erase flashback Lewis, which, I mean, is a large part of the episode, President yeah. Day Lewis was on point, you yeah. know? He, he went to bat for Harvey. He was willing to to do the vote and to, to to stick it to Mike to kind of save this Reform Corp Masterson thing from falling apart onto Alex Williams. Uh, but, yeah, past Lewis was an asshole. He went he to bat for Harvey. He does get the associates. Yeah, he gets the, he gets the associates. He begs Jessica to bring Harvey back and offer him junior partner. He just had to pump his heads a few times, you know, with the whole therapy thing. But he even comes to terms with it. And we see that he does therapy a lot moving forward. Uh, The only other person that I'd possibly put in this conversation is Rachel. Because, I mean, she didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And she she aired out. She doesn't lie for Mike. (laughs) Right. Uh, Rachel, honestly, she's been in the conversation for a few of these ladies for just not letting Mike ruin her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, So what are you thinking? Okay, I think that I would go with Lewis. I think that Rachel has a good conversation, but I think it's kind of um, not the biggest episode for Rachel. Right, right. I think past Lewis is a monster, and I think that present Lewis can be a monster, but this episode, we saw the growth of past Lewis to now being, you know, present day less monster is Lewis. And mm-hmm. then we saw the results of that. You know, Lewis and Harvey and, and Donna sit down, they have their vote about Mike Ross, and Lewis is very much tapped into whatever Harvey needs. I'm down. Like, we're a partnership. And he's done that before in this season. He's been very, um, you know, amicable, you know, in his interactions with Harvey this whole time. And so I think that we're we're seeing growth. It's just that we've also seen some of the really dark, ugly moments from Lewis, too, which makes it, you know, kind of feel like more of the same. But I think that this was a good episode for him. Uh, why did they write Jessica off the show to just bring her in every other episode? Well, I think she wanted to not be doing the show every single I don't think that the writers said, okay, I think that this will be good for the show. I think that she wanted the freedom to not be like a series regular. And I think that they were going to use her whenever they could. Yeah, it, it just feels like for Jessica to be gone, she's in almost as many episodes as she was in last <laughs> time. <laughs> like She's gone, but every other episode we get jessica in some capacity whether she's like on the phone in a flashback harvey pops up in wherever she's living in chicago and just says hi i have a question you know 
Maybe they just told her she didn't have to fl- fly to Toronto anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. A couple of other references. Uh, we got where Lewis described Harvey as a cross between Marlon Brando and Superman. Uh, Dr. Lipschitz uh, seems like he's trying to picture it. Um, I, I was. Uh, what did you take from that? I think that... I think that he had never heard anybody express that type of hero worship mm-hmm. to another human in their life that isn't yeah. related to them. And so when Lewis says this, he says Marlon Brando and Superman. And I think Superman is Superman, right? Like yeah. there's, there's, but Marlon Brando plays Superman's dad. Yeah. Maybe that's why it was tough for him to, to, to figure mm-hmm. it out. He's like, Oh, so he's like Jor-El. <laughs> Basically. Um, he's like, Picture Marlon Brando, but as Christopher Reeve. Mm. You know, it's like, how do you get to that? But no, I think Dr. Lipschitz stared at him and thought, you really idolize this person. You you look at him as both Superman and Superman's father. Uh, who is this guy and why is he so important to your self-worth? Um, he tells Dr. Lipschitz, Lewis does, he tells him, uh, you know, Harvey is the person he wants acceptance from and respect from more than any human on Earth. That's mm-hmm. more than Lewis's parents, his rich ass sister, his boss, Jessica. He wants respect from a person who is lower than him on the pecking order here at Pearson Inspector Lit or Pearson Hardman. Um, Lewis is a junior partner and Harvey is a six year associate. And he's not going to let Harvey um, forget that. But he's telling his therapist, yeah, Harvey's respect means the world to me. Harvey, someone who was plucked out of the mailroom. <laughs> means is, is the person Lewis is trying to get the most, uh, you know, acceptance and respect from. And. I think that's something that Dr. Lipschitz just had to ponder on. Okay, let's take a couple of uh, feedback questions. Uh, this is one from Ash Pereira talking about how we were wondering how did Donna get 500K to uh, pony up to be senior partner? Um, she, uh, Ash ends up saying, I initially wondered where the money uh, she got came from as well, but then I remember she got that big payout settlement from the Donna. Is that where the money came from? Yeah, I'd say. Probably um, they got rid of the Donna. We don't ever have to hear or talk about the Donna again. Ash. I hope we see uh, it again. No, I don't. I actually do not. What if they end up in court and they're like the, the main witness is the Donna? Mm-hmm. They're like, we're bringing in our, uh, <laughs> our, 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 uh, our ringer. They roll in the Donna on a little cart like it's Lana from Too Hot to Handle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that Donna, one, Donna been sitting on a lot of money. Harvey been throwing her a lot of money for a long time. I think for like gifts to each other for anniversaries and all kinds of stuff. Harvey always is just handing her gift cards and money. So she's probably just sitting on a lot of, you know, a lot of liquid cash as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that probably the whole Donna investment didn't hurt. Okay, let's do one more from Lee, who says, uh, maybe I haven't been paying enough attention, but I was surprised to find out that either while Mike was in jail for just a few days in our timeline or between season six and seven, Rachel finished three years of law school and studied for and passed the bar when standardized tests seemed to be a real struggle for her, like the LSAT. Uh, in Texas, the character and fitness and ethics process uh, is during law school and before the bar. So I didn't realize that that was the only thing standing in Rachel's way to becoming a lawyer. She really was on the fast track. Yeah, we don't see Rachel pass the bar. Like You would think that would be a bigger storyline considering she couldn't pass the LSAT and that was hell. We didn't see her and Mike studying for it. We didn't see anything like that. But Rachel has 
alluded to basically being done with law school. I mean, they don't even talk about Rachel going to law school anymore. It's not even a storyline of where's Rachel been all day? Oh, she's studying for a test. She's studying for the bar. She's doing a class. I don't know where Rachel is in her law career as far as the school portion goes, but it does feel like she's done. And that feels like the show just yada yada it. All right, Chappelle. That's going to be it for episode number 99. We're going to come back tomorrow. Believe it or not, our 100th podcast together, Recapping Suits. Hey, Rob, how many podcasts do you think you and I have done together in general? Well, I think that nothing but Netflix is on episode 104. I've got 100 episodes of this, countless other ones. So I feel like we're at least, what, got to be closing in on almost 300 total, right? Do you think there's a year's worth of Rob and Chappelle content already? Like, uh, like if we dropped a Rob and Chappelle flashback podcast per day, every day, Rob and Chappelle for 365 days. I'm not sure. I think it would be close, but I don't think that we have like 165 other podcasts that we've done. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think it's, cl- I, I think it's maybe around a hundred, but we'd have to leave it to uh, the, the historians to tell us. I really want to know. I really want to know if you, if, they, if we've done enough because it's I've, I've known you for uh, three years mm-hmm. uh, and it's been a great three years. But to see that we did a hundred, basically a hundred podcasts in two months, I I am interested to see if we've ever hit that three sixty five mark already. Because I, I I might just uh, just start releasing the old footage, you know, okay. every day. Robin Chappelle start a new podcast days. feed. Yeah, yeah. Look, give it, give me the feed, Rob. People would love to hear our top forty countdown thoughts on Survivor: The Australian Outback. <laughs> okay, all right, Chappelle. Well, great job. Uh, we'll be celebrating one hundred episodes of Suits Yourself tomorrow, Chappelle. Where can people keep up with you? Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show and uh, keep up with other, some of the other podcasting I'm doing. You know, of course, if you want to catch me live here, I'm I'm on YouTube uh, with Sasha every Wednesday talking about Below Deck. And uh, it's a great time. So check that out and, um, you know, keep following. All right. 100 reviews we asked for for 100 episodes. Let's check in tomorrow and see how we're doing. Go to SuitsPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 